In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our reading from Isaiah this morning provides a picture of the heavenly worship that is going on all the time. The seraphim, which is one of the kinds of the angels that we find in the Bible, are depicted singing the Lord's praises. And so, with that in mind, I think it would be good for us to think about this heavenly worship. First, we see that God is depicted as coming into the temple in Jerusalem. This reason, or the reason that this is significant, is because the scriptures speak of God dwelling in a heavenly temple. In fact, the tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build and the temple, which Solomon later built, are said to be built according to the pattern of that heavenly temple. In effect, they were both copies of what God dwelt in in heaven. This is important to note because right now we live in a time that has largely lost a sense of what is sacred. Sacred and uncommon, clean or unclean, were definite theological categories in the Old Testament. What was sacred belonged to God and was to be treated as such with great reverence. What was common was not necessarily evil, but it was not, a set, was not set aside by God for his holy use. Instead, recognizing, instead of recognizing what is sacred, our culture's tendency is to kind of lump everything together. We almost treat everything as if it is common. This is seen in our manner of dress, especially on what is considered very formal occasions. The concern, I suppose, in treating some places and things as, as sacred is to make God appear distant from us. They don't want to do that. However, even the angels, who are in the direct presence of God at all times, are reverent towards him. They cover their faces to shield their eyes from the glory of God. Not even they can behold God face to face. They cover their feet to show modesty before God, too. But this is evidenced even in the church. Some places treat the sanctuary as common. Many modern churches have exchanged a sanctuary for more of a theater or a concert venue, complete with padded, folded-down chairs. Some even lack a discernible altar area and put at the front and center a band. This attitude fosters a view of God as our buddy, who has come to cheer us up when we're down, rather than a God who is holy and is to be worshipped with reverence. But we, too, must recognize that this place, the place that we are sitting in right now, is set aside as sacred. St. Paul reminds us that all things are made holy by the word of God and prayer. This sanctuary has been set aside for a holy purpose. In fact, just as God is depicted as coming into the temple in the Old Testament reading, so also God has promised to come to us here in this place. We even recognize this in very subtle ways. We stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. You may, like me, bow at various times or make the sign of the Holy Cross in remembrance of your baptism. 
Some of you have had the habit of kneeling at the communion rail. We bow our heads and fold our hands when we pray. These are all ways that we are confessing with our bodies that we are acknowledging that God is coming into this place. This is good. And we ought to remember at all times that your ancestors built this sanctuary to the glory of God and that so that they and you and future generations yet unborn would have a place to come that they could meet the Lord here to hear his word and to receive his holy sacraments. This place is set aside as sacred because God himself has set it aside and comes here to meet us. The next feature of the heavenly worship that we see is that the angels are singing a particular song, in fact. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. We will sing those words here shortly. We call this song the Sanctus, which is simply the Latin word for holy. Just as the earthly temple was built from the heavenly copy, our liturgy here in this place is built upon what we see in the heavenly realm. So much of our church's liturgy is based on the songs of the angels in heaven, including the glory in excelsis, which we've already sang. That comes to us from the angels at, who sing at Jesus' birth. During Easter season, we used this is the feast. That is based on the song of the whole host of heaven in Revelation. And I already mentioned the Sanctus. This is why we say in our communion liturgy, and we can in good conscience, that we sing with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. What we are doing here in this place is a, is a facsimile, is a copy of what is happening in heaven. And so that is why our church, the Lutheran church, is a liturgical church. It's not simply based on our tastes or on our preferences, but we are preparing to join the heavenly chorus, even now as God adds our song to theirs. Another thing to note about the angelic worship is that it is Trinitarian. The angels sing holy, 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 one for each person of the Trinity, and this, too, is also reflected in our worship. We often sing Trinitarian stanzas or include a doxology at various points in our worship. This is because our worship is not to any God in general, but is to the triune God, who has revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't worship other gods. We worship the Trinity only. As we said in the Athanasian Creed, there is no salvation apart from faith in that God in particular. Now, some will argue that Jews and Muslims and Mormons and Christians all worship the same God, but that's simply not true. They do not recognize the Trinity. In fact, if you listen to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir sing their version of Holy, 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 they change the words. Where we sing, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, they sing, God in his glory, blessed deity. Their worship does not reflect 
the heavenly reality of who God is because they have another God altogether. Thus, we sing our doxological stanzas not as a nice add-on or a way to finish a hymn, but as a confession, just in the same way as we confess the creeds of the church, to say what God has said about himself. And lastly, the final feature that I want to point out of this heavenly worship as recorded by Isaiah is that it is centered on the fact that God comes to us as sinners. Isaiah confesses, as we ought to and as we do, that he is lost if God came into our presence. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. God doesn't, or Isaiah doesn't see God as his buddy or as his pal, but as one whose holiness could actually destroy him in his sin. Just like Moses, who was told at Mount Sinai that he could not see God face to face and live. But our God's character is one of mercy. Instead of coming to Isaiah to condemn him, God comes to him to take away the guilt of his sin. Isaiah's sins are atoned for by God himself. That is, God has paid the price for Isaiah's sins to be removed from him. And this, dear saints, is the primary reason why we come to this place, which is set aside for the glory of God, to come and have our sins removed. Sure, our worship reflects the heavenly worship of the angels, but the central feature of our worship here is that our God comes down to us in order to give us the forgiveness of all of our sins. It is not, as so many suppose, about our singing praises to God or doing this or that to make God happy with us. No, God comes here as our host, and he comes here to meet us in our sins and to lift us out of them and to bring us to himself into heaven. And just as the angel touched the coal from the altar to Isaiah's lips to atone for his sins, so also we take the body and blood of Jesus from the altar to our lips that takes away our sins. And so you see, dear saints, our worship is not a random creation of men. If that were so, we would be subject to all kinds of different changes and style, subject to the tyranny of whatever is in vogue at any given moment. Instead, our worship is timeless and it is eternal, for it is built on the worship of the angels in heaven. And in this way, God is preparing us for an eternity of worshiping with the angels. And in so doing, he pulls back the veil of time and space to allow us to sing with the angels here and now and as we sing with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven to our God who has come down here to meet us in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.